Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi, you're listening to Fashion Unzipped. I'm your host, Charlie Gowans Eglinton, Senior Fashion Editor at The Telegraph. Joining me in the studio today are my fellow Senior Fashion Editors, Emily Cronin. Hi. And Caroline Leeper. Hello. It's week three on our bumper month of Fashion Week coverage. We started off in New York, where we saw Princess Diana references, a lot of them, on the catwalks. And also, Katie Holmes invented the Bradigan, a cashmere bra worn onto your matching cashmere cardi. Then to London, where we had nods to little women on the Amelia Wickstead catwalk. And every fashion editor worth their salt was wearing a pair of Kurt Geiger tweed sandals on the front row. Comfy. Now it's stop three. The carbiest of all of the Fashion Week stops, Milan. So many carbs. So many carbs. But before we talk about the food, which I imagine we will, because who are we kidding? Caroline, this was your very first Milan Fashion Week. Did it meet up to expectations? It certainly was, and it certainly did. And on that carb note, my goodness, there hasn't been a day that I didn't eat both pasta and pizza in the same day. I tended to do a bit of a pizza slice at least for lunch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. followed by a full pasta dish in the evening, which seemed to be a balance that worked Just quite well for me. Just the one pasta dish, or did you do like a preemie? Well, it tended to be kind of a, a cheese course followed with, with bread, Followed by a pasta dish. Good. That's called a balanced meal in Italy. I think so. Any tiramisu? I never usually make it to tiramisu. <laughs> bit of limoncello. She fell asleep in a carp coma before. <laughs> bit of limoncello when it wasn't uh, a, too much of a serious meeting. <laughs> okay, so with your fresh eyes, Caroline, sum up for our dear listeners who perhaps have not been to Milan Fashion Week, what your impressions were. Uh, my impressions were... Everybody was a bit more glam. Everybody got a little bit more dressed up than maybe they did in London, where we kind of go to shows often in our jeans and a jacket and a blazer or whatever. It's not a jean city, is it? It's just not a jean city. Luckily, I've been briefed by so many colleagues who'd already been before. So I took dresses to wear each day, 
most of which got progressively tighter as I'd eaten more and more food by the last day. The last one I put on, I was like, oh God, um, time, <laughs> time to come home now. <laughs> um, and I did flats because I did, I wore flats every day because I had a, did quite a lot of walking between different shows and appointments. It's quite a walking city in the end of it. Um, but then you do get lots and lots of people who are navigating cobbles in very, very high Milanese sexy stilettos as standard, fine. Uh, what else did I think of it? Yeah, the food was great. Ate loads of it. Discovered Princhy, which is basically a glorified, I mean, is it a glorified Greg's? It's a Milanese, <laughs> ca- it's, it's a cafeteria. Isn't, isn't, it, isn't it owned by Pratt? Have I made that up? Oh, I could believe it was a glorified Greg's, but with a more Italian heritage, you know. But essentially the same things, pizza squares, loads of bread, loads of cream cakes. You know there's one on Water Street, right? Is there? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's Starbucks. It's owned by Starbucks. Is it? Oh, my God. There's me thinking I've discovered the new. (laughs) Not not owned by, not owned by. It was founded in 1986, but it was invested in by Starbucks. Wow. A couple of years ago. I'm so sorry to break that. True signs of a rookie, eh? (laughs) This is like the time when I thought I'd discovered this bakery called Marchese. In Milan, because it was like little and wooden on the outside. And I went in and like, I just like drank my espresso at like a wooden like bar with like some Italian businessmen who were reading papers and like I ate a bun. And I was like, so chic. I've discovered this great place, told Lisa and Sasha about it. And they were like, yeah, Prada owns that bakery. Mm. I was like, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my bad. But all in all, I had a cracking time. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, to the clothes. Not that, you know, I should ever cut the food short. What would be on everyone's fantasy shopping list if we had loads of money? Oh, Emily? Um, Well, shopping from, you know, my computer screen or my iPhone, actually, while I'm watching something really glam in the background, like, I don't know, Gardner's World. Uh, What really stood out to me, especially for a spring-summer collection, were the amazing coats in Prada's collection. I really, I was was almost like salivating over the brown double-breasted one that Gigi Hadid was wearing. Um, or even very uncharacteristically for me, the orange one, the orange specimen with turquoise fern embroidery Ooh. that another model had on. I loved the black with the white collar. That was good too. Was I wouldn't quite, say no. It was a little bit like Wednesday Adams yes. Yes. doing that like um, Thanksgiving Right. Yes, absolutely. Like Wednesday, Adam's the Pilgrim. Mm. Um, but there was, you know, really, I was sort of, um, I was so impressed by the Prada collection because it, I, I know that critics love it, and I know that it's it's always like a favorite that everyone wants to see. But the past few collections haven't really done it for me, and this one I thought just ticked so many Prada boxes. Like you had the ugly, pretty, like the, the ugly, chic, clashing geometric prints. You had the like very buttoned down or buttoned up coats and shirts and everything like that. And in really lovely, super fine knits that are not unlike actually what I'm wearing today, except it's definitely not Prada. Um, and there, there were a few just a beautiful, slinky dresses in the mix too. See, I didn't think this was a very Prada-y Prada. Because Prada's normally my favourite. Ah. Um, but this was a little bit pared back for me. But the brown and the orange and the... Is Prada still your favourite when she does a Frankenstein motif? Mm, that comic book one, I wasn't very me. I'm sort of more of like a 
feathered Prada or maybe like the Flames Prada. Mm, ah, Flames. Yes. Feathered and Flames Prada was good, but I would venture that like mermaid satin dress with gold fern embroidery off the shoulder moment Prada is also pretty good too. Okay, interesting. Caroline, what were your highlights? So yes, so one of my takeaways really was I really loved the knits at Prada. I'm really excited for a bit of a summer lightweight knit. Elsewhere, I love Bottega. I know everyone says they love Bottega. It's it's the trendy thing to say, I'm sure. But I, uh, how did you know that my other note of things I'd like to buy was the Bottega flat woven sandal? Do you know what I mean? They're just, Am I a bit basic? Is, like, is Bottega about to nice, be basic? Though. But this is, this is a slightly... About turn on Bottega mm. because Daniel Lee, who's the new creative director, when he was announced at Bottega, he had come from Celine and he worked under Phoebe Philo there. So everyone was very excited that, you know, post Phoebe's exit from Celine, Daniel was going to deliver what we were missing at Bottega. And then his debut collection showed in a very hot glass room during a few Last Milan Fashion Week, was mm-hmm. it? Oh, yeah. time flies when you're working six days a week. Um, <laughs> the last, his debut collection was a bit hard. It was very, it was a lot of black. It was very kind of graphic. It wasn't, it wasn't kind of what we were perhaps hoping for. Um, it was beautiful in its own way, but it was very different from an old Celine. So this is surprising that actually Bottega Veneta has now emerged as the hot ticket of Milan Fashion Week. It's the accessories, I think, um, and also an Instagram thing. They've been everywhere all over summer. You've seen it on all the different bloggers and influencers are taking snaps with these accessories. This amazing little pouch cloud bag and these square front sandals, as Em pointed out, are on her wish list. And I just think, do you see something so many times that you start to really, really love it? Maybe you do. I don't know. Caroline, actually, I think that I've seen too much of the square-toed, really stringy, thongy type sandals with the heel. Those I am so not into, will never be into. No, thank you. But the ones in the show with the, like, plaited leather straps over, mm. you know, over the ball of the foot, like, it just looked like a cooler Birkenstock. But... I agree that that it's totally a case of accessories driving demand. I mean, it, he would he did have that amazing blazer with the scoop neckline and the asymmetric white buttons a couple seasons ago that got a lot of traction. But really, we're mainly seeing shoes and bags, not clothes, from him. Mm. Do you think the show will change that? Honestly, no. I think that the accessories were still the talking point afterwards. He had these huge kind of hammock-like bags, um, which are going to start a big conversation about our big bags coming back after everybody's been obsessed with these teeny tiny little handbags for so long. Um, Speaking of, though, there were a lot of those teeny tiny little handbags, Caroline, because we called it here first, guys. Last season, it bags for ants. (laughs) Ah, yes. We saw more of them. Dolce & Gabbana's just big enough to fit your AirPods in. Is that what they're called? I don't have a pair. My headphones still have cords. Is that on your shopping list? Nope, it's not. Is this because the 1% have people to carry their stuff? Is this a is this a trend for the masses? I think it's a novelty thing, obviously. It's like, yeah, the bag for your AirPods. The bag at Gucci, it was um like they had like an a holster kind of thing that went around the arm that was just to carry your your new Gucci lipsticks, specifically fits only their lipsticks in it. It's a it is a novelty thing, but people will buy it. People love that. Stuff. It's also cheaper than than like, shall we say, a full-size model. 
So, you know, you might get someone who previously could only buy a Gucci t-shirt or a Gucci lipstick or a scarf or sunglasses thinking, ooh, maybe I can have a little bag too Mm. to fit my ants. (laughs) At the other end of the spectrum, though, the big, big, big bags. Mm. Is this any better or osteopath city? I think it depends how much crap you throw in them. Because you're going to, there's room to start carrying tons and tons of unnecessary things around. And then, yeah, you are going to do soft injury. (laughs) (laughs) They did look quite chic, though. I liked them a lot in, a a bit more, actually, in London. I think Roland Marais did ones that kind of matched the dress and they were a soft fabric bag and they matched your dress. And I thought that was really fun because it was kind of like easy dressing, like your bag matches your dress, like an extension, like a giant pocket. Only matches the one dress, though, doesn't it? Yeah. And Unless you do, like, a mono wardrobe. Still quite expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of remind me of um, of slings that you can carry babies in. So I, I want to stay as far from that as possible. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. One of the talking points on the catwalk wasn't an intended catwalk moment, or at least not from the designer in question. At Gucci... The show began with a series of models on kind of travelators coming out in straight jackets. And one of the models, Aisha Tan Jones, held their palms out in front of them and had the words mental health is not fashion written on them. This did seem like it might have been something that Alessandro Michele, who's the creative director, might have planned because he is very inclusive. He's kind of he's known for being an LGBTQ plus supporter. But this wasn't a. This wasn't a gimmick um, and it wasn't something that he knew about in advance. What did everyone make of this? Emily? Well, Caroline, you saw it. Did you? Did it even register when you were there or was the venue so large that you just saw like a model with her with their hands out? We're saying there, by the way, because this model is nine, identifies as non-binary and that's their chosen pronoun, not because I, we're grammatically incorrect. I didn't see this model because the the thing was, was that when we kind of went into the, the, the show space, it, we were in um, on this kind of hospital chairs and looking at four different straight kind of travelators. Um, and so some with that opening portion, there were 60 models dressed in these straight jackety type outfits um, and they were just being sort of spat out on conveyor belts um, down the four lanes. So uh, this didn't happen on the lane I was looking at um, and it was only afterwards that we saw pictures and we thought, oh, right, what was that? Did that, you know, because there wasn't a big, you know, gasp or anything like that in the in the room that you could notice at the time. So it was very subtle and, and it was only in the pictures. But yeah, so... Alessandro kind of explained afterwards that his comment with with this um, with this tableau kind of scene was not to be about mental health, but it was supposed to be all about uniforms. And he was saying that the straight jacket is um, kind of the, the most blank and stark of uniforms. And his comment was then to that none of these straight jackets were being sold and that after those initial 60 looks had kind of gone by, the real collection began. And that was him saying, you know, here's creativity as an antidote to that blankness. So that was his explanation. Make of that what you will. But yeah, I... The incident itself did not register with many people in the room at the time. God, he's prolific. Can you imagine another designer creating 60 looks that are just like 
the amuse-bouche for the show. <laughs> Can you imagine? I wonder if maybe they were planning to to produce those some of the straight jackets in commercial versions until this, this yeah, protest. I mean, he has gotten himself not. into hot water with, with other, um, shall we say, ill-judged fashion moments before. So why does this keep happening to him? Actually, Lisa Armstrong, I had a fashion, interviewed him before the show uh, for a piece in the paper, which I've just finished reading. And you can find in the paper very shortly. And he has apologised for the the Gucci blackface scandal, which was this kind of jumper that had a built-in balaclava that covered the mouth. Uh, to cover the face. And so it had a, a polo neck. It was a black yeah. jumper with a polo neck that, and the neck pulled up to cover everything below the eyes and then the, had a cutout for the mouth that was rimmed in red. It was rimmed, yeah. So he has, you know, raised his hands to that and, and said that it was ignorance on his part and that he didn't see it that way, but he should have. And he's also, you know, very openly addressed the criticism that's been thrown at him after this show with the mental health issues. At least we're having the conversation, I suppose. I also wonder, like, like do brands have to be perfect now? And because I think that when people are afraid to take risks, then it, it becomes incredibly uh, monotonous and boring. I mean, this is a designer who has done arguably more than any other designer to to push the issue of inclusivity in fashion. And and he's included um, trans models in, in every show. He's championed the careers of um, actresses like Harry Neff, who is always on his front row. So, you know, I, I, I don't want people to get into the way of thinking that if you're going to do anything, you have to do everything. Like, it's okay to try something and get it wrong sometimes. Although, maybe he should just ask some of the more woke millennials in his office next time if uh, if he's putting a foot wrong. Just an idea, Alessandro. Uh, to a very different catwalk talking point, J-Lo. Oh, j Oh, my God. Moment I had the most FOMO about missing. I'm so glad you were there. It was unreal. I can't even... Well, <laughs> um, J-Lo was at Versace. So it was the 20th anniversary of the time when she wore uh, Donatella's jungle print dress. Um, it was a dress that she wore to the Grammys in the year 2000. And it was the dress that basically prompted the invention of Google Images because the next day so many people were on the internet trying to look for pictures of J-Lo looking fit in this dress and you know Google were like we we need an image search so that is the story of that dress so yes this was the 20th anniversary though of that dress and JLo who is now 50 came out wearing an even smaller less fabric version of the same dress and walked the catwalk and oh my god she stormed it everybody Anna Wintour everybody on their feet like people couldn't get enough of it. It was a sea of camera phones. It was a sea of camera phones indeed. And she didn't even flinch and like there was just no jiggle. Like every part of her was just gorgeous. I I have a theory that J Lo has been replaced by a robot. <laughs> because there's just no way. As a as a fellow mom of twins, hi J Lo, we should be buds. There's just no way that anyone can look like that when they're fifty. She was rock solid, um, I can't even tell you. Well, I've been in a dressing room with J-Lo and... <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> uh, in my days as a fashion assistant, I worked on an L cover shoot with J-Lo in Paris or, as J-Lo put it, 
it's meant to be J-Lo in Paris, not J-Lo an hour outside of Paris, because she was very upset that we couldn't get Versailles, which was her request. Um, so we just had a run-of-the-mill chateau. It was glorious, the most beautiful place I've ever been, but it was not Versailles and J-Lo was livid. But just the right amount of livid to be like the fabulous diva. For you to you really want. respect her. Yeah, because she was also incredibly professional. She nailed all her shots. She brought her own dresses with her too, even though obviously there was a stylist and me as the assistant uh, and a whole team, but she brought her own dresses. And she looked incredible, just incredible. I I have a theory and I, I wonder if we can, like, if anyone can confirm or deny this for us. But just based on the fact that my entire Instagram feed for a few hours was that video of J-Lo sashaying up and down, I wonder if the Hustlers box office got a boost in the UK this weekend. (laughs) Because I've got to say, I really want to see that movie now, and I don't think I did before. Well, this is probably why she's in such good shape. I mean, she's always in great shape, but she is in a film about strippers. Uh, and, and she, and is she does wearing, a remarkable pole dancing scene. and She's wearing some jewels and not much else. <laughs> um, so you would be in great shape for that film. You'd have to be. And, and apparently I, people are saying that there's Oscar buzz around it. So it's uh, Interesting. not just eye candy. Well, we know what she'll be wearing to the Oscar ceremony. She better. She, that's probably in her contract with Donatella. Hopefully. They've, they'd already cut away... Already the sleeves. Yes. And the original had sleeves and more fabric at the back and more fabric on the stomach. So I'm hoping all been removed. By the Oscars, perhaps we'll just have a bikini. Probably. Just like a just a leaf print bikini, maybe for Jodo. With a train. I've never seen such confidence in a single human being. As she kind of walked past, we were all just dissecting her, like, oh my god, look at her nails. Oh my god, look at her hair. Like everyone was just like, wow. Did you notice the rest of the show? I've forgotten it after because it was the end. <laughs> it was the finale. And then I wrote about J-Lo and I thought, oh, quick, say something about the other looks. And there was some really chic black tailoring. Yeah, there was. <laughs> quick, say something about that. <laughs> because the rest of the collection was quite pared back for Versace. Can't remember. <laughs> That's the takeaway moment. Controversy aside, the main takeaway of Gucci was that this was perhaps a return to sexy, but this wasn't Tom Ford sexy as he did it at Gucci. Alessandro Michele actually worked under Tom Ford at Gucci, but then was responsible for replacing that very sexy plunging aesthetic with, you know, geek chic. He said to Lisa, I began to wonder what would happen if my nerdy crew got sexy. Mm. And what happened was very sheer dresses and actually some plunging necklines. Do we want to see sexy anymore? I kind of, it's been so long since fashion did sexy. I'm not sure if there's as much of an appetite for I'm it. I'm not sure they can remember how. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in modest modest dressing mode for so long. And it, in the kind of whole Me Too climate, does it still feel modern? It's interesting, Charlie, because the another big thing that happened this week was the Emmys and We've talked about some of our favorite looks from the Emmys just between ourselves at the desk. And one of yours, I think, was Jodie Comer and Tom Ford. She was wearing this kind of halter neck, a white halter neck dress that had that also had long sleeves. So it had this like slice of skin showing around her shoulder. And I was struck by, yes, like ostensibly she looks sexy. It is a slinky, sexy dress. But it looks aging. It's like it's like like sexy 
is a very, seems like an outdated concept, like a very Sharon Stone in Casino era thing of, you know, showing your shape, flashing some flesh. Like, it's just, I'm not sure. It seems more like from the archives than anything that's really exciting right now. And I wonder why that is. The thing I liked about Gucci, which made it a little bit more appealing to me anyway, was that for so many seasons, um, Alessandro has really gone for it with the embellishment. Like every single look has been like, you you know, you don't just have like a pair of sunglasses and a handbag with it. You have the hair clip, the sunglass, the brooch, the sunglasses chain, the, the gloves, dragon, the dragon. Yes. The the small baby dragon. The um, replica of your own head. Yes. Another. To an, carry under your arm. Another that was a such highlight. accessory. And, and all of that this season was kind of stripped away a little bit more. So you could see people's figures and you could see what a person might look like underneath all of that stuff, which I guess is quite sexy. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) But it, you know, it fights against that whole move away from the high heels that we have seen in the last kind of, well, in the last few years and the move away from cleavage and the move away from short skirts. Do you think we're ready for sexy again? Is it just all going to swing back to that? Let me tell you, I'm not ready for sexy again. (laughs) I'm ready for for jumper weather. (laughs) Jumpers and clogs, that is my zone right now. Okay. I think as well it won't just snap back into little sexy dresses, if that's what sexy is now. Like, these things take time and... To, to, to sort of filter down for people to start doing them on en masse. And if you think about this summer, all everyone wanted to wear anywhere was a big wafty floral midi dress on every type of occasion. And I don't feel like next summer we're suddenly all going to be in a mini again, just like that. Well, I hope not. No. Of course, we won't really know until the trends crystallise in Paris which is the final stop on our Fashion Week tour and what we're going to be talking about next week. This is some of the biggest shows and certainly the shows that kind of lead the way in terms of trends. So it's all to play for. Perhaps we'll all be in hot pants come spring. Not not me personally, obviously. No, me neither. I should say that while we've all got our noses to the grindstone covering Fashion Week, it's not the only thing going on in the world. Our podcast producer, Theo, in fact, has rushed back from the Labour conference in Brighton. Did you have time for a 99 flake, Theo? I did have time, but the weather wasn't really up to it. And they don't cost 99p anymore. £1.20. I'm, I should say she actually rushed back to cover the breaking Brexit news, not the fashion podcast, but we're very lucky to have her. Guys, what else is on the agenda this week? There have been some events this week. There were the Emmys. There, there's the Royal Tour in South Africa, which I've been spending a lot of my time covering. Hooray. Um, and Greta Thunberg, the Swedish 16-year-old who leads Extinction Rebellion, addressed the UN yesterday. And I've seen more and more calls for uh, for people to talk about sustainability at Fashion Week. Um, I mean, we know that there's that the, the Dior show later today is, is really going to have an eco-focus. And I just saw someone who works in fashion PR post something um, on Instagram asking, saying, Fashion Press, do your job. It's time to ask all designers how sustainable their spring-summer 2020 collection is. Well, in New York, Gabriella Hurst did her carbon-neutral fashion show, which was an industry first. 
but has been quickly followed by the Gucci show, also carbon neutral. But we have to note that obviously carbon neutral just means donating what is the kind of equivalent cost to the planet to, you know, causes that will then benefit the environment. It doesn't undo the damage done to the environment. Yeah, and the Gucci show... I cannot tell you how much traffic was in front of that show, how many limos of of editors and buyers and celebrities or whatever pulling up. Like, you can't just ignore that. Well, also, I think with with Fashion Week, the elephant in the room is that everyone flies around to four different cities. The flying, the driving, the, the incredibly resource-intensive show spaces that are created for a 15-minute show, the, oh my God, the paper stock, the the trees that die for these invitations alone, which I love. I love the invitations. And the press releases that are on everyone's seat and then all over the floor at the end of the show. Absolutely. And just the energy expended and the lighting and the music. It's it's a lot. I I wonder if, if this is going to become, you know, part of the conversation that we have every fashion week now. If it should, then... You know, and and I'm sure it will happen to our industry, but there are other industries doing similar things. You have, you know, perhaps not the same number of people moving through cities in quite such a visible way, but you have, I don't know, how many different car shows are there on the planet? How many different film festivals are there? How many different... So it's, yes, it's something our industry needs to look at, but... So do, so do lots of others. So we're not the only ones, is what you're saying. I'm saying we're not the only ones. Not all our fault. What no, do you think? It is all our fault. What's the future then, guys? Skype fashion shows? We're just all Skype in? I think it would be so nice. It would really solve the one row problem. All in one room, one after the other. And we just... <laughs> With all, snacks. Yeah, we all With sat snacks. in a really comfy chair and, and had exactly loads of snacks. And we just <laughs> saw it all in one go. <laughs> you know, do you, in all seriousness, I, I do think that probably what the Extinction Rebellion activists would have us do would would be eliminate seasons completely and maybe push for more of more evergreen collections. I mean, this is something that, again, Alessandra Michaela has done it really well at Gucci is that there are certain pieces that never go on sale that he carries over season to season, like the Marmont loafers and sandals, that kind of thing. And maybe just release a, tiny little collections to infuse newness each season, produce in much more limited quantities and also encourage and facilitate the repair and extended use of, of the items that they sell in the first place. It's a bigger topic and we should probably return to it another day. <laughs> but um, but it is interesting to me to, to see how this is becoming more part of the conversation. And that's all we've got time for. Join us next week for the last in our Fashion Week series, We'll be fresh from the front rows, or should that be patisseries, of Paris. Until then, join the conversation by emailing us at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk or find us on Instagram at Charlie Gowans, Emily Crow, and Caroline Leeper. You can also sign up for a free 30-day trial of all of our online content at telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion unzipped sub. Thanks for listening. Do you have a friend who never pays their share of the bill? Or are your parents wasting your inheritance on flash cars and Caribbean cruises? Or maybe you have two children, but you can only afford to send one to a fee-paying school. The common thread? Money. 
and the moral problems that it so often leaves in its wake. I'm Lauren Davidson. And I'm Sam Meadows. We both report on personal finance for The Telegraph. And each week on our podcast, Moral Money, we're joined by one of our paper's best-loved columnists to unpick the thorny financial issues sent in by listeners. From stretching your work expenses to the ethics of paying less tax, this is the ultimate guide to what's okay and what's not in the blurred world of money morals. It's heated. It's lively. And it might even help you become a better person. Search for Moral Money in your favourite podcast app and click subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.